What's happening, Exponential Family? This is Myron Pierce and my papa in the faith, Ralph Moore. Man, tell you what, I've been looking forward to today's conversation with uh, Derwin, Derwin Gray. He has no idea how much I've followed him and read his books and everything he's doing at Transformation. Um, and we are just delighted to just have a conversation today. What's up, big bro? How you doing? I uh, I appreciate it. Uh, it's an honor for me to be on with with you and Ralph, and uh, I appreciate connecting and looking forward to chopping it up. Yeah, for sure, man. We today uh, we just thought, man, we want to have a conversation around uh, church multiplication. I know you know a little something about that. And uh, at Exponential, one of the things we talk about is in order to change a culture to a culture of multiplication, there are really three things that's necessary to change in a culture. Number one, values. Um, we need some hills that we need to die on. One of the things I love about our, uh, the things we're doing in Omaha is multiplication is a, is a, is a value that we'll, we'll die on. It's important to us. And it's important to have, you know, repeated patterns of behaviors on top of that. And then it's the stories that we tell. So what's important, the stories that we tell and the actions that we're living out that ultimately ignites a culture of multiplication. And so, Derwin, man, we want to we want to get it cracking with you, man. Can you tell us a little bit just about your story, uh, the church that you lead? If somebody is under laying underneath a rocket, I've never heard about you. Um, just tell us a little bit about you, man. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, before I dive into like a personal narrative, um, I just I just want to add this. And uh, I, I think it's a prompting of the Holy Spirit or it could just be the coffee I just drank. Well, time will time will will bear this out uh, when you talk about a culture of multiplication. Right. You know, your your vision or, or, or your your values, your narratives, um, behaviors. Uh, one of my big passions is to make sure we're multiplying the right thing. Mm. Um, I guess I'm kind of old enough now within this space to kind of see over the last 20 something years, you know, the, the big idea was, okay, let's church plan and let, you know, you know, you, you, you get big, you get grow. And, and my thing is like, okay, so like, yeah, America is kind of like burning down and the church is not the place that unbelievers are going to for answers that Christians are not even going to, to answer. So my question is what have we been multiplying? And what I would say is oftentimes we have multiplied a individualistic Western gospel that says this, Hey, Jesus died for my sins. Is that true? Amen. Um, Jesus rose again. Is that true? Amen. But then it kind of stops there with me, Jesus and my Bible and I'm saved. Mm. And I think we need to get more Jesus. that we need to get more gospel. We need to get more kingdom and we need to multiply that. Yes, Jesus does save but he rescues us individually to put us into a family communally and collectively for mission. And if you want to know what Jesus's mission is, right, there's multiple ways to say it, but when he gave his first sermon in public, right, his, his, his messianic mandate, he went back to his hometown of Nazareth and his sermon was so good. They tried to push him off of a cliff. 
He said, he quoted Isaiah 61, verse 1, I came to preach the good news to the poor, to the blind, to the captive, to the oppressed, for the year of Jubilee. So justice is intrinsic to this good news, that if Jesus didn't care about the physical, he wouldn't have fed folks, he wouldn't have healed folks. And so Jesus cares not just about the soul of a man, but the whole of a man. And then here's something else that's often missed as we talk about multiplication. Jesus sits down and he says, today, this has been fulfilled, that he's the Messiah. Mm. Then he tells two obscure stories about Elijah and Elisha, two Jewish prophets who did miracles for Gentiles. Mm. And after Jesus told those stories, it says, and they tried to throw him off of a cliff. Why? They wanted a Jewish Messiah to free them from Roman oppression. Mm. They didn't want to, they wanted Jesus to make Israel great again. And Jesus came to make the kingdom of God available to everybody, Jews and Gentiles. Now, to be fair to the Jewish people, their history with Gentiles was not very good. 400 years of slaves in Egypt, battles with the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Preservites, Babylonian diaspora, and now Roman oppression. And so you can see that there was some fear there. But where there's perfect love, 1 John 4, 18, it casts out all fear. And so we need to reproduce that. Mm. We need to reproduce churches that understand that the good news is that God not only forgives our sins, but he gives us a family of brothers and sisters with different colored skins. Mm. And this family is missional. Within missional, I believe that means justice. I believe that means evangelism. I believe that means discipleship. And so that's what I want to be a part of reproducing. And I mean, no disrespect to anybody. Um, I don't get excited when I hear, well, this church is this big and 14 campuses. What I want to know is how many people in that church agreed with the U.S. Capitol being overrun. What I want to know is how many pe people in that church believed in QAnon conspiracy theories. What I want to know is, are you afraid to preach and teach about racism because you know the backlash that you would get? So so you you are opening up a can of worms that we absolutely need to talk about. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, Myron. Let's change the narrative. We're opening up the kingdom, not a can of worms. Yeah, let me let me rephrase that. We're opening up the kingdom. And the, the reason why I said that is it goes back to what you initially said, that we need to be careful what we're multiplying. Because I think before and it's and it's unpacking what you said about beautifully values, narratives and behaviors, because if we're going to multiply something healthy, we have to first look at number one. What I heard you say, which I want you to unpack some more, um, was this individualistic Western gospel. Yeah. Let me weigh in on this before we go back to dear one. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm old, right? I've been around the block. And I, we weren't multiplying. We were copying. People across mm -hmm. America were copying the big boys. And uh, they started with vision. I get into fights all the time with people. Not, not so much now because of exponential, but 
five, six years ago. And, and I it just, I'll just whack them and they whack back. Uh, which is more important, vision or values? Values have to drive, kingdom values have to drive everything that we do. And yet we've come through this thing where it's all about vision. You got to have a vision, man. And, and what I meet is a lot of people who want to go to a resort town or an upper middle class community, and they want to reach a bunch of upper middle class white folks. Mom, you know, what do they, what do they say? Uh, unchurched Harry and, you know, whatever. Uh, they, they, they got this mom, dad, two kids, two jobs. We want these people. This is, and to me, that really turns out to be all about the pastor not about the world or about the kingdom. And I want to add one more little thing because of what you just said during about fear. Well, I, uh, I, I, w- I was talking to a guy who had started a little uh, pray for Trump group. And uh, he said it, he, he thought he was going to have like a dozen people. It got over 20,000 people signed up for this thing. And then he, and then, and he goes, what am I going to do now? I can't bring myself to, to turn this into pray for Joe Biden, which is absolutely anti-scriptural. Yes. And, and, and so, so here's what he said. So I'm praying for revival. And it comes right back to what you said about Jewish people versus Gentile people. We church folks have got it down to the, these folks are going to hurt us somehow. God, give us revival, protect us from them. And rather than, Lord, move us toward them. And uh, I just so appreciate you, man. I appreciate what you're saying. Uh, just preach it. Well, I appreciate it, Pastor. I, I, I appreciate that a lot. And, um, you know, because you've you've been around the, the track and the homogeneous unit principle uh, started by Dan McGovern as a as a as a missionary in India was designed to reach the various caste systems to get them into a church. Yeah. American entrepreneurial pastors grab a hold of that and it fit within the racialized culture to say, hey, we're just trying to reach as many folks as possible. And people who look alike, think alike, act alike, vote alike, they'll come to faith faster. But what happens is, and Dan Dan, Donald McGovern said this himself, that if you're not careful, you could create um, racist or prejudiced congregations because everybody is alike. So I think we need to do what (laughs) what the first Christians did. And that goes back to like, what do you value? Right. So for us at Transformation Church, if you sum it all up, this is what we value. We value um, the Jesus creed, as Scott McKnight says, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbors. You love yourself. What we say at Transformation Church is upward, inward, outward in response to God's overwhelming grace. We love him with the totality of our being. And then we begin to love ourselves correctly. Jesus says, love your neighbors. You love yourself. Loving yourself correctly is humility. Then loving my neighbors. I love myself uh, means to see people as God sees them. And the greatest gift you can give another human being is introduction to Christ and edification in Christ, right? Now, who is my neighbor going to be? They're going to be multi-ethnic, and mm. multi-generational. So that's the great commandment. Go and make disciples of all ethnos, ethnic groups. So the way we say it at Transformation Church, um, our value is upward, inward, outward. Love God, love self, love neighbor, 
and we're motivated by the mission of Jesus to go make disciples of all ethnos. So for us, evangelism, discipleship, justice don't compete. They complete just as God is father, son and spirit. That type of value drives everything that we do. And for the pastors listening, this is so important. Your greatest work of discipleship has to start in your staff. A lot of times we start with let's reach folks and you have an immature staff. You burned them out. You get more staff. No, it starts with reproducing within the staff. One of our staff members uh, wanted to be a philosophy professor. He spent several years with, with, with us. And now he and his wife, four years ago, planted a church in Madrid, Spain. No, actually seven years ago now, right? So we want to multiply this value of great commandment, great commission. And it all comes down to love is what motivates me. My allegiance is not to the Democrats, it's not to the Republicans, it's to Jesus. We are the party of the lamb, not the elephant, not the dog. Wow. And so, so, Man, so drop the mic. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna drop the invisible mic right now, real quick. I'm just gonna, okay, go ahead, man. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so, 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 so that that value has to seep into everything. And so, as a football player, right? Football is not just as how fast you are, how big, big, big you are. As a for my position, my skill set as a defensive back, there were values of. Technique, hard work, discipline, know your role, sacrifice. So what you see, the action is undergirded by the values. And so the value of great commandment, great commission has to be immersed in everything. There, the, every meeting we have is worship. Every strategy meeting is worship. There's moments for discipleship. There's always thoughts of who are the other, right? And there's always thoughts of where there's injustice, we want to be justice. Just this past week, we celebrated our 11th uh, birthday. <clears throat> and as a way to celebrate our 11th birthday is we gave $75,000 to a ministry called Roof Above. There is a tent city in Charlotte where homeless people have built a city of tents. So we're partnering with Roof Above and other churches to build not only um, um, a hotel form, but then mental health, addiction, all those types of things, right? So where there's injustice, we want to be uh, um, justice. So those values, and then you go to narratives. There's a reason why we love C.S. Lewis and Chronicles of Narnia. Right. There's a reason why we love uh, Lord of the Rings. There's a reason why we love The Hobbit. There's a reason why we love uh, Forrest Gump. We are wired for story. And we all are either going to live in the train of history or we're going to live in the flow of his story. So good, man. And so God's story mm. is one of eternity past that the Trinity, God need, didn't need anything. Right. So when God creates, 
He's inviting the crown jewel of his creation to participate in the eternal love feast, the eternal love banquet that the Father, Son, and Spirit had creation, and specifically humanity, is an invitation. Well, Mm -hmm. sin broke that, right? But God is still passing out invites. Right. And so he goes to a man named Abram, changed the name to Abraham through you. I'm going to make this big, beautiful family of all the families on earth. Through Israel's history, Jesus, the true Israelite, the faithful one comes, the last Adam comes to be and do everything we could not be and do, sacrifice himself on the cross to forgive us, to justify us, raise again from the dead to now live in and through us. And then he presents us to his father as the promise that he gave Abraham. So, To lead a multi-ethnic church is not like, well, America's becoming more diverse. Obama was president, the civil rights movement. No, we are a multi-ethnic church because God made a promise to Abraham. And the good news is King Jesus came to fulfill that promise through his redemptive work. And so we have to tell those stories. Um, If I can get on a soapbox just a little bit, people don't need good advice. They need to be submerged in a narrative of God's good news. And the good news is not simply a one-way ticket to heaven. The good news is heaven comes to earth through his people in all of life. You know what, um, Derwin, um, you are saying a whole lot. And um, if you are watching or catching a replay and you're wondering why aren't they talking about multiplication, you just missed the last 20 minutes of us talking about multiplication. And and one of the things I want to ask you, um, Pastor Derwin, um, you hit on you just hit on something. You said the the what was said to Abraham about reaching the ethnos, the nations, found and epitomized in Jesus, and then the church is supposed to take that role of or that mandate of all nations. Yes. What's the because that's multi, like that's the multiplication gospel right there. Yeah, God God is the original multiplier. What's the hang up? What's the what's the the, the deficit? Um, why are we seeing what you just said overall be multiplied, even just domestically? Like what's what's the hang up? Yeah. 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 So 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 let me just take a little trip to scripture. Right. Galatians 3, 8. Paul says this for the gospel was preached beforehand to Abraham and this, all the nations would be blessed. So for Paul, this good news, this gospel was a redemptive work of Jesus, not just to forgive sins, but to give us a family of different colored skins. Galatians three fourteen says that Jesus is that promise right. and that the Holy spirit, right? The Holy spirit is about unity. Jesus brings us redemption into that u- unity for the promise of the father, Why isn't this happening? Number one is that's hardly ever preached. That's one. Number two, the devil. The devil loves to divide. 
Number three, it's an issue of holiness. We think holiness is, well, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't watch porn. That's a part of it. But holiness is also walking in the unity that Jesus has preserved for us. Holiness is calling into question our uh, nationalism, calling into question our ethnic idolatry. So a lot of it's not happening is because we're not teaching it. Secondly, a lot of pastors don't know it and some are actually afraid of it. And then when you go to communities of color and, 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 and as African-Americans, a lot of black pastors are like, I've tried that. I'm done. I'm tired of being hurt. Or some of them are, I don't want to. I like it the way it is. God didn't ask me what I thought about he, he didn't ask my opinion when he said, go make disciples of all. Ethnos. Mm. He 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 gave me Jesus. He gave me the spirit. He gave me himself and said, now holiness is learning to love the other. Mm. See, we have to go beyond tolerating. Tolerating says, well, Ralph Moore, I tolerate you. I don't know where in the Bible where it says, love God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and tolerate your neighbor. It says, no, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And that is driven by the Holy Spirit to treat every human being like Jesus died for them on the cross. A few years ago, Myron, I was talking to a, uh, a church planter and his church had planted a lot of churches. And, and I was listening to him. I was like, so, well, what are you reproducing? And his thing was, let's just get churches to, you know, we're going to plant, we're going to plant. And he's like, you know, planting a church is like getting a, a plate with spaghetti and you throw it up against the wall and whatever sticks, then, you know, that's a church plant. And I stopped him. I, I said, uh, people aren't plates of spaghetti. Mm. People are made in, a in, in, in the image of God. So let's make sure that our leaders and those who are planting churches are healthy so they can reproduce holiness. Mm. Because it's not just about growing, right? Weeds grow fast. Right. Tumors can grow fast. We want to grow healthy. And yeah, like I love the fact that a few years ago it was four of us at a table and it's thousands of us now. That's, that's awesome. But what's the quality of that, right? Mm. Right. So um, I have written a book called Building a Multi-Ethnic Church. It'll be out um, April 6th. And um, the idea is to give the theology and the best practices. But here's the bottom line, though. You can lead a horse to water. Right. But you got to drink it. So I was a coach a few years ago. when My son was in high school and there were kids like, listen, there's a couple of things I can do well in, in life. Football is one of them. <laughs> I played it at the highest level. Right. I know how to tackle. I know how I'm going to teach you everything that I know. Right. But you still got to obey it and do it. Mm. And so I think there's a lot of us are like, I know this is truth, but I'm not willing to count the cost. Mm. Man. There's a question from the audience, uh, Pastor Derwin, um, and they want to know, they want to know, hey, Derwin, can you can you really break down for us the difference between vision and value? How would you values? How would you make that distinction? Yeah, that's a that's a wonderful question. And I am a I'm a huge vision guy because 
A vision of the future transforms what you do today, but values is what helps you get there. Values are the engine that makes the vision go. Values is the skeletal system underneath the flesh. So, so values are what makes you thrive, right? Vision is if God shows up, this is what it's going to look like. So for us, our vision is this. We are a multi-ethnic, multi-generational, mission-shaped family that loves God completely, ourselves correctly, our neighbors compassionately. That's great commandment, great commission. So if God shows up, we're going to look like a community that loves Jesus and that loves each other, which means justice and forgiveness and mercy and clothing naked, plead, feeding the four, baptizing folks, decide, all, all of that stuff, right? That's yeah. the vision. But the values are, how do we get there? What is our strength? You know, and so a part of that is, do I actually value the gospel? Mm. Um, do, do I value personal covenantal intimacy with Jesus? Um, do I count all things as lost compared to surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord? Because the way you preach and teach and the way you lead is a reflection of your own discipleship. Mm. Like, uh, and I say this respectfully, but a lot of pastors I meet are like entrepreneurial businessmen. And I'm like, no, I'm not interested in Jesus as product, Sunday service as uh, a way to get the consumers to come in and become a part of your staff. Mm -hmm. You know, so so values are the heartbeat. Values are the engine that helps you get to the vision. Visions tell you where you're going. Values tell you why you're going. Mm, I like that. I like that. And we skipped over, we did for four or five decades, we skipped over values for vision. And, and, and usually what I find was vision came out of the latest church growth book I read. Uh, you know, some, some guy comes talking to me when I was in Hawaii, uh, big multi-ethnic church. Um, we, you know, we have 13 member worship bands, nobody's white. And then we get some guy on vacation from the mainland who feels called to Kahala to plant a church, which is the, the, the richest neighborhood in Oahu. It's Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's fresh from some church growth conference, and he's going to come and shake things up, and, and, and he's completely bypassed everything that you were talking about a half hour ago from, from Luke when Jesus announces his mission. Mission has to be the values of Jesus, or it isn't really a mission. Yeah. And, 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 you know, Pastor Ralph, uh, one of the things that I'm learning because of God's grace, because of being a former NFL player, because of the way our church grew, I found myself in circles and in conversations. And this is what I learned is a lot of times book writing and conferencing and what church is the biggest and all this stuff. A lot of times it actually feeds the beast because young pastors go, well, these are the guys on stage. So therefore uh, that's what I need to do. Well, this is the latest, the greatest, the coolest. Therefore this is what I need to do. And Mm -hmm. so like I was, you know, 
conferences will say things like, well, it's not about how big your church is, but everybody that speaks has a big old church. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can say one thing, but the rubber meets the road through action. Right. So are there pastors who are faithful and their churches are small? Of course. But in our cultural moment and context, bigger, quote unquote, must mean better. Whereas I want better to be better, which is the values of Jesus. Hey, man, this is this is definitely where I feel like. Um, we need to go because, you know, I've I, I have a soapbox and uh, one of one of one of my soapboxes is we need to, you know, move or shift from um, organizational charts to family trees. Mm. And I heard you talk. I heard you talk about the family. Yeah. Can you can you unpack um, in your context, like what that really means to Durham, what that means to tra- Transformation Church, like that narrative of family over the last 10 years, what has that been like for you? Yeah. So, so, so um, the first thing is this, is that Jesus's body is the place where sin goes to die. But in his resurrection, Jesus's body is the place where all of God's children come to live. So it, it starts there. We are the body of Christ. Therefore, uh, by relation to Jesus, we are brothers and sisters, not just staff and associates running. A, no, we're brothers and sisters. Your well-being is my well-being. My well-being is your well-being. And so <clears throat> one of the things that I've modeled, as well as the other elder pastors, is um, – we're not here just to have a meeting. We're here for discipleship. We're here for worship. We're here to care for each other. We're, we're here to encourage each other. Just yesterday, um, one of our ministry pastors at the church, as we were talking, I discerned some stuff in his voice. And I said, well, what does that mean? And he and his wife are going through some things. I'm like, well, my wife and I want to meet with you this week. Like we need to have a conversation because What's most important is not your ministry effectiveness. He's gifted. Hmm. What's most important is you being a disciple and reflecting your love for Jesus by healthiness in your marriage, both you and your wife. Hmm. And a lot of times uh, ministry people are pimped for their giftedness. Yes, sir. So, So whenever you see a pastor fall after years of doing the same stuff, other people were complicit that when he or she is the golden calf that everybody else makes money off of, they will let them stay in dysfunction Mm. Um, and holiness and preserving God's unity does not allow that. So, yeah. So I try to create um, a family bond and living in what Jesus has already created. I, I have no interest in wanting to run a business with employees I want to be the family of God and this local expression for the glory of God. Isn't and that it work? Isn't isn't that what like you talk about the golden calf and the gold standard? I, I'd like to know, like from you or even Ralph, because there's such a magnet, the the, the magnet of 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 and it it just it makes me. I'm gonna just keep it 100. Like it makes me mad when I see when I'm scrolling on IG or Facebook or, and I see 
grow your church to two. And I'm not knocking nobody, but like grow your church to 200 people, you know, like how to how to break the growth barriers. And it it like frustrates me because it, it sets this standard of like this is what's better. Like this is what's better. This is what it means to be better. How do and I'm talking to young pastors now, like how do we refrain from multiplying that type of golden calf? Yeah. Right now. Yeah. So, 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 so uh, our church is probably 7,000. Our first few years, we would get an outreach magazine. I just, I just, I just stopped. Right. So am, am I want our church to be as big as possible to plant as many campuses and churches as possible because there is nearly 8 billion people on planet earth. And I want all 8 billion to know Jesus. So none of our churches can be big enough. It comes back to values. Yeah. If your values are rooted correctly in the soil of the gospel, you can grow big and you can grow healthy. If your values are, are not, you're going to short circuit your way Good. to get there. Here's my issue, just like with you, is breaking through those growth. There, there are some things that you can do to help. What I want to know is what's underneath it to make sure your heart isn't worshiping a calf because you want to be the next such and such. Right. What do, you, what do you think, Ralph? Ralph, I know you've you're so humble. That's one of the things I love about you since I first met you, man. It's like a lot of times I don't a lot of people don't even know the, the great things that are happening in America, Japan. I mean, all over. And don't, don't nobody even know that, like you're behind it. How have you, Ralph, like. Refrained from indulging that that calf and maybe speak to us about times that possibly you did give in, like what's talk to us, man. You know, we, um, I started out as a young person without a lot of, uh, you know, I went to a Bible college and at, and at that college, there's all these people who can sing, they can dance, they can play the trombone, they can do something. And I can't do any of it. I, I wanted to, be an architect. I got drafted to be a pastor. I didn't want to be a pastor. <laughs> and so uh, I was in a denomination that had, I was in the biggest church in the denomination, which was 1300 people. And in those days, that was pretty big. Uh, and we're talking about back in the sixties and seventies. And I came out. So I, my, my, my lifetime extreme, uh, if we put vision over values would be that there'd be 200 people in a church that I pastored. That would, that would be a big deal for me. But I, I, I got soaked up in the book of Acts, and I mm. started to realize that the, that the church I saw in Jerusalem didn't obey Jesus until Acts chapter 8 when they got kicked out of town by persecution. Mm-hmm. So the, their values, some, they were screwed up. Somewhere they were screwed up. Then I began to think mm. they're, they're immature. And, and maturity happened with, you know, and with church planting, multiplication, all that. So we just, I just decided I got this limited skill set, whatever you want to call it, spiritual gifts, whatever. And I can best, I can best multiply my life by investing in other people and just, you know, helping them. And so I was, I was 20 years old. I wasn't yet a pastor. I was, I was helping a guy start a church. I was pulling weeds in the yard. And I kind of laid out this plan. I'm going to start five to seven churches in my life 
which isn't where I went. But in each church, I'm going to raise up a young person to be my disciple, probably send him to a Bible college because that was the model in those days. And then he'll take my job and I'll go start all over. So that's twisted. And and so like one of there, there's two things right now. I got a, a package sitting on my desk that's going to Kenya and it's a, uh, it's a bunch of Todd Wilson's books and a couple of my books and uh, some of Dave Ferguson's books. I just try to sponsor people. And the guy in Kenya, um, we made disciples of our staff, just like Derwin's saying. I think mm-hmm. it always starts with your staff. And then each staff member had to have a group of uh, like home group leaders that he was discipling. And then it went from there. Well, we had a bunch of them at the, at the, at the level of, you know, plumbers and eye doctors and, you know, machinists get together and start doing an eye clinic in Kenya. And they went down and taught this guy how to multiply his church. And now he's up to like a dozen churches, dirt poor. Main church is like, you know, adobe blocks with tin roof over it, that kind of yes. thing. Uh, I got a friend in England. It's another huge success story. When, when uh, And you know him, um, Sereka Hulagale. Uh, he's a Sri Lankan who went to in England as, a, as an engineer and uh, ended up starting a house church, and a house church outgrew him. And so he's pastoring a small church, maybe 60 people on a big day. But they've planted over 50 churches, and they're, yeah. they're reaching uh, South Asians and North Africans. A lot of North Africans in London, and, and they're, not, they're not accepted well into other churches, but he's, he's sponsoring. Uh, and these are smart people. These are, a lot of them are career people. You know, they, they came from Africa. It's not what you're thinking of people floating across the Mediterranean on a boat. Uh, these people were flown in because there's somebody special to do a job. And they're planting churches. And so I, I don't know how to really directly answer your question. But I can tell you is I've gotten a lot of satisfaction out of watching, you know, I guess what Todd says, fruit, my fruit grow on somebody else's tree. Mm-hmm. And I, I think if you if you really come back to the Great Commission, it really is about making disciples who make disciples and and not about making converts who come here and we preach. Mm. Hello. Why don't y'all speak to, Durbin, could you speak to this? Um, it's really good, Ralph. How does, a, how does a pastor, a leader, who, as a result of having, hearing this discussion, realize that what he is multiplying or wants to multiply isn't isn't representative of what we've been hearing today. How would you recommend, like, what are the steps that he or she needs to take at a value level to begin getting moving from vision, um, I'm sorry, value drift into into kingdom value so that they can multiply something healthy? Yeah, the first thing I would say is – uh, don't beat yourself up. Jesus has already gotten beat up. So mm. uh, the second thing that I would say is remember Jesus's words, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Take some time to mourn and to lament. Uh, not not a, uh, a soak and feel sorry for yourself time, but a time of saying, you know what, Lord, I'm learning some things. Here's some things I didn't know. And I want to redeem what was in the past, uh, bring the right people around me, show me the right books to read, help me new with new insights in scripture, and then help me multiply uh, what I'm learning. 
so that it can be reproduced in uh, others. Here's the great news. The great news is this. A man like Peter, who in Antioch could eat with Gentiles, when, when the party of James comes, he gets up, disfellowships with the Gentiles. Paul says, what you're doing is out of step with the gospel. Mm. And, you know, he was rebuked. He was corrected. He was confronted. Um, But we know Peter went on to live an incredible life, right? And so there's some things that we have to relearn. There's some things we have to unlearn. There's some things we got to denounce and repent of. But I do think that there is a place for mourning and saying, okay, Lord, show me. Mm. Teach me. And, and, and then who are the voices that are speaking into you? There, there are so many people who are not on the main radar that are doing incredible gospel work. Uh, some pastors just have incredible PR firms. Mm. And so just, just, just be careful that, um, um, there are other voices that you can learn from, not just the main ones, you know? Yeah. Who, who are you? Who are you learning? Who are you learning from? So I. Uh, yeah. So I read tons. I, I read a lot of N.T. Wright, uh, Scott McKnight. Tony Evans is always a mentor. Dr. John Perkins. Um, gosh, man, that's, I'm looking at all these books on the floor by by me. Yeah. So a lot of my mentoring just comes uh, reading. Like I love to read. I don't have time to listen to a lot of sermons. Um, I've never been that, that type, but I do love to read and um, connecting with believers internationally. Mm. Uh, Like when I went to India, I thought I was going there to help them. Uh, They helped me. Wow. Uh, it was it was it was beautiful. You, you know, they're 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 pastors like in India and Korea, you know, here and I'm here in America. If you plant like five churches, you're a rock star. These right. dudes have planted hundreds. Right. Hundreds, you know, with with one fifth of the resources that that we have. Um, so I think humility is needed, too. Mm. That's real. Well, man, Derwin, before we land, man, would you tell us a little bit about like what what's God doing in Transformation Church? Yeah, um, you mentioned that you're writing some books. I've, I've noticed that on IG. You talked about that a little bit. Tell us what what's God doing. What's 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 up with you next? And then yeah. anything else you want to tell our audience? Yeah, you, you know, so so what I am most excited about, right, is I'm most excited about the years of planting seeds into young leaders' hearts, walking them through tough times, walking them through sometimes discipline to see them now emerge as Mm. like leaders in 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 the Jesus kind of way. Like we have a very shepherding community. Like there's a lot of shepherds. Our, our women are strong, uh, beautiful, theologically sound leaders. And so it's, it's just like, it's just like watching because when we first planted, we, we just had epic growth. Right. But then you right. need strategic growth. And so all the years of planting seeds, this beautiful garden is growing and these leaders are emerging and they're reproducing mm. themselves. So I'm excited about um, our shepherding leadership culture in 2020. Uh, 
it's been probably the best year of our church. Mm. Uh, Desperation produces innovation. So we started the Hope Dealers Market where families come and pick up groceries for free. We fed over 200,000 families. Um, Our generosity has been phenomenal. We've seen a ton of people come to faith on a personal level. I feel like I'm growing as a husband and as a dad. And uh, I wrote a best-selling book that dropped last June called The Good Life. Mm. Uh, My book, Building a Multi-Ethnic Church, which I would encourage everybody to get, comes out on April 6th, because that'll give you the theology and practices to do what we've just discussed. And then right now I'm in the process of writing a book with Tyndale that'll be out in 2022 entitled, Does It Have to Be So Black and White? Finding Mm. a Way to Heal Our Racial Divide. And um, I'm starting with Jesus and I'm just working through the Bible to show that this is a theological issue, yes. but here's some practical things. And so I have formed it around five values. I'll see if I can remember them by heart. Worship, that our ethnic unity is an act of worship. Uh, the other one is we're called to guard the unity that Jesus already got for us, mm-hmm. right? Holiness, that's us being conformed to the image of Christ and Christ purging uh, this other stuff out of us. What is that? Three? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Worship, guard, preserve. There's two more, but I've been up since five, so I can't remember what they are. <laughs> It'll be out in the book. It'll be 20- out in the book. I'm, I'm, <laughs> so, I'm so glad you closed it that way because I want our audience to know, hey, listen, any culture that, that, that's, that's worth building, that's, that, that God wants us to build, I love what you just said. It begins with values. And are those values, can we find them in the new covenant narrative? Yeah. Okay. I got it. I got it. I got it. So glad I can help you bring it back. Go ahead. Yes. Yes. So it actually makes a cross. So in the heart is worship. Yeah. Romans 12, 2, right? Yep. Vertically, it's justification. Everybody who calls the name of the Lord, black, white, Asian, Latino, male, female is declared righteous. Unity. Jesus preserved it. He secured it. We're called to guard it. And then number five is holiness. We're called to live it. Mm. Come on, man. So so those are those values. And I'm unpacking that throughout the book. And a lot of books that I've read on this topic will kind of move towards sociology or it's like, well, white people are the problem. And it's like, no, we are missing what the problem is. The problem is sin, death and evil. And then we begin to work around those five values rooted in the gospel. And we come at this together as God's transcultural family. I love that because then that builds stories that we could talk about and share. And then it will help inform the way the, the, the those we lead behave. Values, narrative behaviors. I love that. Well, man, hey, it's, it's, it's personally an honor, bro, to, to be able to, to finally meet you, man. I, I count you as one of my heroes as well, man. And uh, deuces, man. Just give them deuces real quick. And, uh, man, I appreciate you, man. Um, I got a friend down down where you're at. Uh, Greg Atkinson is a good friend of mine. Man. Yeah, Greg Atkinson. Yeah, so – well, thanks a ton, man. I look forward to look forward to that book coming out, man. Everybody, um, how can how can people get a hold of you, um, social media wise, Darwin? 
Easy. Uh, Instagram and Twitter is at Derwin L. Gray, at Derwin L. Gray. And if you want to find out more about me, DerwinLGray.com, that'll take you to Transformation Church, sermons, books, everything you need to know. Pastor Ralph, it's an honor and privilege. Uh, Myron, honor and privilege as well. Myron, are you, a, are you a pastor as well? Yeah, I'm pastoring right here in Omaha, Nebraska. What? Yeah. Black people in Nebraska? Already. 17% of us, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I appreciate you. <laughs> Take care, man. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs>